Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. On Monday, Cypriot President Nikos Christodoulidis said Cyprus is ready to launch a maritime aid corridor for Gaza. Cyprus plans to use its port of Larnaca to gather international aid and send it on to Gaza, as it is one of the closest places in the EU to the Gaza Strip. Jack Perrick, Deutsche Welle's EU correspondent who traveled to Larnaca last week to find out how this plan will work, joins me to break down what it will take to get this humanitarian corridor up and running and highlight how it's putting a renewed spotlight on the strategic importance of Cyprus. Jack, great to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me, Thomas. Jack, you were just in Cyprus to find out more about Cyprus's humanitarian plan for Gaza. How will this plan effectively work? Yeah, well, this is the big question. That's what we went down there to find out. Essentially, at the moment, the Cypriot government put forward this big plan. It was sort of suggested by Emmanuel Macron, the French president, that Cyprus should be a launch pad for aid. And then at the Paris Peace Forum a couple of weeks back, the Cypriots put forward this sort of five-step plan uh, to use the port of Larnaca, essentially to get aid from around the world, from any country that wants to give it and provide it, into Larnaca, then a way to store it on the port side, then a way for it to be inspected and inspected as it's boarded onto boats at the port of Larnaca, then to find a maritime route over to the Gaza Strip. And then, and this is the really crucial bit of this whole plan, and what we couldn't get a firm answer to, because at the moment the technicalities of this just aren't solved, is how to land it in Gaza. The port of Gaza has been dysfunctional, unable to be used since a blockade by the Israelis in 2007. And then since the October the 7th terror attack, part of the bombings on the Gaza Strip that Israel has been conducting to try and fight the terrorist organization Hamas, they've also been striking the area of the port on the sea on the Gaza Strip. So at the moment, it's just a not usable way. And the idea for the Cypriots to take big ships that need to be offloaded in proper ports. The idea that they're suggesting at the moment is some kind of floating structure. Obviously, international partners, they also suggest in their plan that there could be the creation of a proper dock. But international partners are not going to be willing to start building big infrastructure projects while there's a chance that the bombings could continue and that could be a waste of money. So there's this idea of a a floating structure, and that's really the key point that everyone's talking about at the moment. President Christodoulidis has said Cyprus is ready to immediately begin shipping these large quantities of aid. Is the issue of the port the only or biggest challenge here? Are there other additional challenges that need to be taken into consideration before this aid can get moving? Yeah, I mean, also one of the big things is that the quantities of aid that they're talking about are large. There's 2.3 million people in Gaza, right, who need a lot of aid. So the question is where this aid will come from. We know that the European Union couldn't really get together on this and make a decision. So countries like Cyprus, Greece, France, the Netherlands have said that it'll come back and agree to this, that the quantities of aid that need to be there, they're not on the island of Cyprus right now. So sourcing those aids, it's things like medical supplies, tents, water, food, fuel. That's got to come from somewhere. So that's a big big sticking point. But there are a lot of countries that are willing to do that and they want to be involved and they want Cyprus to do this. Obviously, in the conversations I've had with people, not only on camera but off camera as well, the agreement and the acceptance of this plan by the Israelis is crucial. The Cypriots seem to think that they've got this sorted that what they will promise the Israeli government is that as 
the aid arrives and as it's boarded onto the boat that the Israelis will have full capacity to inspect everything that's going on to those ships. What the Israelis are worried about is that weaponry or things that can help the Hamas terror organization continue their fight against the Israeli state could get, find their way into that aid. So the promise is that they would be able to inspect everything, that they would be fully have an eye on, on all the aid that's going. And the Cypriots believe, and they've been, ever since I even came back from Cyprus to Brussels, where I live, I've returned after my reporting trip, there's been some reporting that the Cypriots say that the Israeli ministers are on board with this plan and that they are in serious negotiations about getting this over the line. For the Israelis, it's not a bad idea, right? The big international pressure is on the humanitarian situation. They have trusted partners in Europe that the Israelis are, are very close to. So this for them, that's what the Cypriots are saying anyway, that this for them is a good way to resolve the humanitarian situation that is sort of creating quite a lot of criticism towards their actions right now. You mentioned that there's a lack of consensus within Europe. Given that you primarily cover the European Union from Brussels, can you give us an inside look at what this debate looks like within the EU right now? Well, it all started when we had the European Council Summit. So all of the 27 leaders of the European Union come to Brussels every few months and thrash out negotiations on whatever the issue of the day is. And what we saw was massive divisions at the last one over whether the EU should collectively call for a ceasefire or not. And we saw countries like Spain, countries like Ireland were suggesting calling for a ceasefire. But for other countries, the Germans specifically are probably the most vocal on this they would, you know, never be able to, or what they said was that they would never be able to ask the Israeli government to negotiate, which is what a ceasefire requires. It requires a negotiation of that ceasefire, that they would never be able to ask the Israeli government to negotiate with a terror organization in Hamas. And that's why they refused to call for it. What they agreed to is to call for humanitarian pauses, to allow for people to get aid into the country, but then the aid is only able to go through the Rafa crossing, from Egypt, only on trucks. That's actually one of the things that the Cypriot government was pushing when I was there. They really wanted to make it clear that they feel that one ship can carry 500 times what one truck can. So this maritime corridor can have a much more significant support for the people of Gaza. They can provide a lot more aid. But yeah, back to the ceasefire question, they just couldn't agree on it. So they agreed to call for these humanitarian pauses it was considered a bit of a fudge, a bit of an EU fudge that they managed to at least get something on paper together. And ever since then, we saw different countries striking out and saying, right, we're pushing ahead with humanitarian aid plans. And that's what we've seen with the French, the Cypriots, the Greeks and the Dutch making this plan. And the Cypriots truly believe that this is the best plan. They truly believe that they're going to get everyone on board. They're convinced that it's practical. They're convinced that it's politically tenable as well. What's the view from other major players in the region that are already operating out of Cyprus, such as the United States and the UK, for example? Yeah, I think they feel relatively on board with the plan as well. The Cypriots really do feel that they've got full international support for this. The Americans appear to be growing in their concern for humanitarian aid. What the Cypriots feel is that right now, they're the ones with a plan. They've got an option. It seems logical, reasonable, pragmatic, politically possible and they're really trying to sort of trump that up, frankly, as an opportunity to make a difference. 
And broadly, what you're seeing is international partners, even if they're not necessarily on board with the plan, even if they don't want to be sending aid in through this maritime plan, there's a lot of secrecy about where exactly it lands and who's necessarily going to swing in behind it. But like I say, the Cypriots feel that they have got clear water. At least they've got clear water for no blocks against this plan, even if people don't come in behind it. So how far the Americans and the Brits, for instance, come in and join with this maritime corridor plan, we'll have to wait and see. The big issue on this will be who will support this creation of a floating dock, if that is what happens, if that is the solution that is provided. And you might see, for instance, then the Americans and the Brits, who obviously have a history of operating in some of the most complicated parts of the world and doing this kind of big project, they may then come in and support with that. But at the moment, none of that is confirmed. It's shrouded in a big cloud of mystery. The Cypriots, while they want to trump up the plan and make sure everyone's seeing how successful it is and how feasible it is, they don't want to say too much in case it gets politically complicated and that political support that they feel they have drops. As Cyprus prepares to become this hub for humanitarian aid, it's already a center for operations and works with a lot of countries in this regard to facilitate evacuations from the Middle East. Has all of this put a renewed spotlight, in your opinion, on the strategic importance of the island, particularly for the West? Yeah, I think it really has. Uh, It was very interesting when I was speaking to the spokesperson of the presidency. That was in Nicosia, in the capital, and I was heading back to Larnaca. He was like, you need to go and speak to the guys at this Zenon Coordination Center, which is next to Larnaca Airport. And essentially, there's 21 countries from all over the world. The Brits and the Americans are involved in it a number of European countries, and the European Union has representation within it. And essentially what this is about is it's a coordination centre to get people out of crisis zones. Not only Gaza, this has been used in other parts of the Middle East, across Africa, to get citizens of those countries through Cyprus and then sent out. So Cyprus being this sort of launchpad area where it's obviously geographically close to the Middle East and closer to Africa than most European countries but is an EU country, so a point of safety where people can evacuate their citizens from. And it's very clear to me that that centre is going to play a very important role in the Maritime Corridor Plan. They wouldn't let us in to film inside of there, but I spoke to the commander of the centre, he came out. He wouldn't be drawn too much as well. They're very, very nervous. They don't want to say too much. They want to make sure that this plan gets the green light from all the international partners. But it's clear that they feel that they've got that set up nice and ready, that it's ready to go, and that they'll quickly be able to get this maritime corridor plan functioning as soon as it does get that green light. And as I say, I think that centre down next to Atlantica Port will, will play an important role in that. Jack, it's been great chatting with you. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me on. In other news, the timing of recent comments by Turkish Foreign Minister Hakan Fidan and Turkish Navy Chief Erkumen Tatlioglu ahead of the scheduled meeting of the High Cooperation Council between Greece and Turkey in Athens in the presence of Prime Minister Mitsotakis and President Erdogan are seen as signs of a deteriorating atmosphere in Greek-Turkish relations. Fidan's statements about the Turkish minority in Thrace in northeastern Greece and ethnic Turks in the Dodecanese Islands came shortly after Erdogan's statements about solutions to Greek-Turkish relations without third parties and Ankara's expansionist agenda on the Aegean and the Eastern Mediterranean outlined by Tadlioglu. Finally, approximately 27.8 million foreign travelers came to Greece in the period from January to September, with tourism receipts amounting to 17.9 billion euros, the Bank of Greece reported on Tuesday. These figures show this year's tourism beating the 2019 record, 
which in the same period had recorded 26.9 million travelers leaving 16.1 billion euros in revenue. Greece expects its economy to grow faster in 2024 on the back of strong projected tourist inflows, higher investment and domestic demand, the government's 2024 final budget showed on Tuesday. The government expects economic output to rise 2.9% next year following a 2.4% expansion this year, partly with the help of EU recovery funds. That wraps up today's episode of Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.